bastard. Oh my, <laughs> oh my goodness. All right, are we ready? We're ready. This will sit still. Let's do this. Welcome, everybody, to the Enemy Slime Podcast. This is episode number 65. As you may have already gathered, I am your usual host, Jared, and I'm joined with me by Mr. Doug Wilson. Hello. Mr. Lucio Lorenzino. Hello. The, the great and powerful J. Joseph Jr., Oh God! That was weak. Uh, classy, and <laughs> this this slightly classier Michael Mahoney. How do you do? There we go. Fantastic. I want to say I'm very embarrassed by that burp because it could have been better. Yeah, it, it it left a lot to be desired on every front. Guys, let's get in. Let's just let's just get let's dive into this shit. I'm so excited this week because we have news of all fashion of every kind. We get to hate things. We get to love things. It really is just like a fabulous week. And so, uh, if if I may, let me suggest that we begin with the Persona Five. Uh, okay, sure. Why not? Let's deviate. Persona Five. What? It looks sweet. It's it's coming out. It got a it got a trailer. Um, you're like you're you're cat burglars. Am I following you're ca- this? You're you're, yep. you're cat burglars, and that's a really like I never I never would have guessed that's the direction they were going to take it. Because I I I don't know. I guess Persona's done. Uh, like, like, here's the thing about Persona. In each game, you're high school students, right? But each game kind of has a different theme that's supposed to be a metaphor for society or whatever. So, um, uh, you know, I never got a chance to play the original Persona because they didn't localize it. And I never picked up the one that they did localize. I guess it was for PSP. But then in the second game, um, you know, in Eternal Punishment, you're a high school journalist and you're able to create rumors, and any rumor that you put out in the, into the world becomes real. Um, you know, it's supposed to be about, like, gossip and the power that that rumor has and all this kind of shit. Then Persona 3, um, you know, you're an after-school club that kind of exclusively just hunts monsters. Um, then Persona 4, you're a bunch of teenagers that get thrown into, like, a television universe. And, you know, it's about the effect that mass media has, and it's also about loneliness and what society thinks of you um you know the their their real selves being reflected on television all this kind of shit so persona 5 comes out with this trailer and it looks like fucking lupin the third almost (laughs) the way they have the characters running around and and i guess invading art galleries and museums and whatever they're doing and uh i guess the i guess the director says the theme is supposed to be um it's almost slavery Slavery. Freedom. Yeah. Freedom. Yeah. <laughs> Freedom. Well, no, because the, the opposite like the other side, right? No, no, there's the other side where they're talking about with their slaves, so they're free. Well, well, yeah, I guess they're like oh. slaves of society, right? They they have to play by society's rules. Sure. Why not? And I guess yeah, that's uh, deep. Uh, uh, no, they're well, clearly commenting that life should be more like Lupin the Third. I th- I think life should be more like Lupin the Third. You don't think so? Did you see Fujimoto's knockers? Yeah, of course I think life should be more like that. <laughs> I don't know. I'm excited. I like the character designs. I, I think, you know, the dungeon gameplay looks interesting because they got you zipping around through the shadows and uh, and jumping off chandeliers and all this shit. So I I think it could be cool. Well, there you go. Persona, I agree. Persona 5. I, I am pretty hyped for this. Yeah, I I thought it looked good. Um, I'll probably I don't know. I'm maybe playing a Persona game, 
like as it comes out will will help me to you know get into it a little more. I don't I don't well, know. That, you, you, like, you know that's all. Joe and I are gonna talk to for, talk about for like a month and a half. Right? Oh, oh, good. Well, <laughs> I mean, you play you played Ford, Jared, so I you can see how they at least improve some of the character models and animations, which. You know, yeah, I, I I think I said before I've never I was never able to finish Persona Four because it was so close to Persona Three. Mm-hmm. Like I love Persona Three, and I I had fun with what I played in Persona Four, but um, you know the games are so similar. It's like I can't do another whole seventy hours of this. Uh, so I'm hoping Five is different enough. It's certainly starting to look different. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it yeah, looks, it looks very different. Looked like there were some kind of new gameplay elements and. It looks like the the um, dungeons are going to be greatly improved, at least. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which is which is probably what my biggest complaint about Persona Four would be is just how uninspired a lot of the corridor wandering and stuff like that is. So I'm I'm looking forward to seeing what they can do to improve upon that. You know what you need to do to improve an Atlas dungeon is take it out of the game. <laughs> oh yeah, you don't like dungeons. <laughs> I don't have a problem with dungeons, but I don't that style of dungeon like. That was annoying back, like on the master system for like Fantasy Star One. I, I've never found, you know, the Persona Dungeon system to be that. Well, it's gotten better. I'll say that in three and four, um, it's a lot easier to play because I found you only need to go into a dungeon twice, maybe three times a month, and if you kind of progress carefully, I, the most time-consuming thing in Persona for me is just mixing all those personas and oh, God. saving and going back and. Jeez. <laughs> yeah, it's just like if you were if you were the type of person, say, who would complain about Dragon Age two, um, and their dungeon design, uh, and then at the same time, like if if that if that person were to then defend Persona four, like they're very confused because <laughs> they they basically make like four art assets and then just copy it and paste it for ten floors. But wait, you never have to draw a map, do you? No, no you, you don't, don't have to draw a map. Fantastic. You don't. So, I mean, really, well, it's but each, game of the each year. floor is kind of randomized, so you you are stretching for a door each time. Yeah, and I think it, I want to say good. it's I want to say it's different every time. Um, yeah, yeah, it's it's even I mean, worse. It's, it, each dungeon will have like the same general theme, but it'll be yeah, the corridors will always be different. Uh, sometimes the door will be right next to you, and sometimes it will take a while to find. I don't want to use the term procedurally generated, but it's kind of like that a little bit. And it's as good as as you would expect something procedurally generated to be, like like Chocobo's Dungeon. <laughs> Everyone remembers that hit, right? Uh, so you mean it's fantastic? Sure. Yeah, it's great. It's really good. All right, game of the year. I I like the little four leaf clover on that girl's scarf in the Persona trailer. That's how I'm that. Well, there you go. I think that's neat. Now let's <laughs> let's get to let's get to the thing I want to talk about. Um, okay, and that's that's most definitely the Bethesda press conference, right? Holy shit, guys. It is almost... So Bethesda announced today that they would be holding a press conference in Hollywood, California at the Kodak Theater on June 14th, which is kind of weird because it's, it's a Sunday and it's like, it's, it's like three days before E3 actually starts. So a lot of people might not even be in town yet. Mm, um, that's why, like, cheap hotel rooms, man. I guess so. <laughs> mm. Um 
but anyway, they're uh, they're ho- ho- they're hosting a press conference, and that's they're like that's it. That's all they've announced. But I mean, the Co- the Kodak Theater is like nothing to scoff at. That's a pretty fancy place to hold your press conference. But you don't have to be a fucking genius to know that what they are there to announce is the game that everyone has been wanting for years and years and years. The Elder Scrolls Online, the Evil Life Three, the Evil Within Two. <laughs> Um, eviler within. Evil, eviler within. Oh my evil god! Within. If they called it that, I would actually be totally so, fine. So, so does Game anyone like? Here's what I've noticed this morning when everyone was talking about it. Everyone was talking about Fallout Four, but you think they would, you know, they would rent out this this high profile space just for one game announcement? They um, should. No, it deserves it. <laughs> no, yeah, seriously. I, I think they're going to do something similar in style to what like Ubisoft and EA does. Uh, they've they've got a. a you know, pretty good sized list of stuff that they could talk so, about. We'll probably have um, what's this? Brotherhood of Steel too. Um, no, so I think uh, I think the big stuff is going to be too. Dishonored to uh, Doom. Um, they'll probably show more of Battlecry, but who who cares about Battlecry? Um, I want to say there's more than just that, but I'll bet there's no Fallout. I really bet there it, it they don't show it. I actually they don't show Fallout or Elder Scrolls. I think that I think that you are really mad. I think there will absolutely not be Elder Scrolls. I don't oh. see a scenario where that happens. Um, I I think it is perfectly likely that they won't show Fallout Four because I, I just I can't imagine it'll happen. I can't. I don't want to hope that. I don't want to. <laughs> You're not. You don't want to get hurt again. <laughs> I don't want to get hurt. Um, I got I got tricked when that last like huge hoax happened and I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. So caring. so the collective the collective internet has pretty much decided that it is Fallout 4 and it could only be Fallout 4 and there's nothing else that they could ever reveal. And and the internet just kind of skipped the part where we have to like confirm whether or not that's the case and moved on to the part where we're like super psyched for Fallout 4. It's going to be something disappointing when it's, it's not. It's kind of like, I, I feel like this could be a lot like if you had, let's say you you save up, like you every scrap of money that you have, you save up uh, for for years and years, maybe not years and years, but for a good long time, you know, a few years, and you, you buy your wife uh, a trip to her dream destination of Australia. Her whole life she's wanted Wait, to go to Australia. Rachel's dream desti- destination is Australia? That's where she's always wanted to go, okay? But, okay. but So follow me on my scenario here. So you you, you, buy her, you buy her the trip and you walk into to your room and, and you, you say, honey, I have a wonderful surprise for you. I got you... She's getting railed by some other dude. I got you. We're going... <laughs> We're going on a vacation. She's like, I've got, I've got a surprise for you too. And then she review, she pulls back the curtains, and there's a big black dude. No, that's not what happens. You say, I have a wonderful surprise for you. We're going on, on a wonderful dream vacation to the place that you've always wanted to go. And she jumps on the bed and screams, "We're going to Japan." <laughs> that's basically. That's basically what this, I feel like this Bethesda conference could be. Like, I feel like they very well could have been like, everyone's going to be so psyched for us to talk about Battlecry. And then they go on Twitter and they just see Fallout everywhere. And it's like, oh no. So maybe in response, they'll get to work on the fucking Fallout 4 announcement. Guys, we should probably start making that. <laughs> it seems like people want it. So anyway, I don't I don't know if uh, if that's what's actually going to happen, but uh, it seems like the internet has decided it's Fallout Four. So I wait, I, I, I know exactly what it is. What it's it? I R I H R A Drag Racing Two. 
Oh, is that coming soon? Yep. Oh, that's, that's what the whole conference is for. I'd rent the Kodak Theater for that shit. Wait, no, this would be Drag Racing six, 3. Six hours of just that. Just Drag Racing. One of the one of the editors at IGN, um, I can't remember which one, uh, he posted a tweet that just said, kind of in response to the Fallout 4 hype, he's like, this is, this is crazy, and if they do announce Fallout 4, it's going to be like easily one of the biggest games uh, of the year, and just a huge game, like an enormous game. And and he just pondered like, what if the what if the thing to replace annualization of games was instead like these giant event games, right? Um, but that probably is never going to happen. What a what a cute dream he had. I mean, you know, game we didn't used to games didn't have to used to be this like uh, this attraction, like this this huge this huge sideshow thing. It was like, oh, here's a game that's coming out. It's finally coming out. People are patient about it, you know. It doesn't have to be annual, and it doesn't have to be a big event either. I mean, you be games. You certainly wouldn't expect them to rent the Kodak Theater for a video game like, like ten years ago, five years ago, maybe even. It's pretty big. I'm excited. I want it to be. I want it to be Fallout Four. Uh, so I'm pulling for everybody. I'm gonna do my best to get into that press conference, but who knows? I guess we'll see. Uh, they are going to stream Kill somebody it. if you have to. They are going to stream it on Twitch too. So really, it's kind of unimportant. Like you don't need to get into it. You're you're going to pretty much be able to be there anyway. So, but I could scream like a little girl at the same time as everybody else. What if they? Let me ask a question. What if they announce Elder Scrolls and no Fallout? Are you happy? I like Elder Scrolls. Yeah, I'm Not a little less I, bummed, but I'm still bummed. What now? Let's flip it. What if they announce both? Well then, yeah, let's just be Christmas. real happy. I think I'll have a permanent erection. So then, yeah, like, well, what do we do right? Which is actually, <laughs> which is actually such unhealthy. So, and now the final scenario: they announce neither, but instead announce that Battlecry is going to get a sequel, even though it's not out yet. I, you know, I've never even actually heard about of Battlecry before this. <laughs> yes, podcast. you have. Yes, you have. <laughs> That's how good it is. I saw it. At, I saw it at PAX. Um, it. We talked about it. It probably could have been special if it wasn't for basically, um, well, Blizzard pretty much ruined any hope that it had with. Uh, oh right, okay, yeah, yeah. Now I know what you're talking. Shoot, I don't even remember what the game's called. What's Blizzard's Overwatch. game? Overwatch. Overwatch. That's right. Over Overwatch is pretty much <laughs> gonna make sure everybody forgets about Battlecry. Yeah. Sorry, Battlecry. You never had a chance. <laughs> Poor guy. So. Anyway, we're we're it holding on. to be Brink too. We're holding on to the dream. Uh, yeah. Oh, we know what a question. What happens if it's Fallout, but it's an MMO? Yeah. So I, I will kill. I will kill them. I will. So that is, Bethesda, and I will kill them. That is the last scenario, which is that they announce Fallout, but they also announce that they ruined Fallout. And uh, I I don't know if you were paying attention to the chat, Michael, when I said this, but I think I created the worst possible way that they could ruin Fallout. Which is? But do I really want to hear this? It's a Windows Phone exclusive. No, you don't really don't. But Jerry's going to tell you. Anyway. <laughs> it's a Windows Phone exclusive. It's a CRPG uh, in in a classic style, just like Fallout Two, written by the original team from Fallout Two. Uh, but the limitation mm-hmm. is that you only get three turns every six hours. But you can buy a pack of turns, <laughs> twenty turns for nine ninety nine. I mean, the answer to that is clear, then, right? I'd still um, play more of it than I should. No, all you have to do is just make sure you have a character with high speech and high charisma, and you just get through the game without fighting. Oh, you have to pay for stat, like, 
to reach. Yeah, you have to you have to like pay to Curse you, Jared. that option. All your One speech are, point you, is ten. You are a monster. All your stats are five, but you can buy a pack of stats to distribute as you see fit for uh, twenty dollars. Oh. Man, I'm pretty sure oh. John Bethesda is listening right now, thinking John like, yeah, that's right. <laughs> yep, old old Johnny B. But uh, yeah, that's uh, that's my great idea. So if you'd like to hire me, Bethesda, um, you know where to find me. If you do that, I will kill Jared Bethesda. Man, how amazing would it be though if they someone if they, will die if that is what comes to pass? Like just, there will be blood, just like Dungeon Keeper. Like that's what Fallout Four will be. It's just oh. that basically. How will I will we be suffer in prison enough? because I will have killed someone. <laughs> Oh, well, I mean, don't look a gift horse in the mouth. Six, you know, ten years ago, there just wasn't a fallout, and there wasn't going to be one ever again. Yeah, but yeah, our memories I, wouldn't I, have been and, painted. And I, and I, and I paid my, the price of playing through Brotherhood of Steel three times in order to summon the uh, spirits and wish for another fallout. Yeah, you're one sick fucker, Lucio. I am. You're sick, sick man. Um. <laughs> Should we talk about? Speaking of which, did you enjoy my uh, surprise? Oh, in, in your uh, in your Phantom Breaker review? Yeah, I had a lot of questions, and to fill everybody in, <laughs> to fill everybody in, Lucio uh, somehow got his hands on a Marth and Ike amiibo, and then proceeded to take tantalizing and sexual pictures <laughs> of himself and the amiibos. And then left them in in his Phantom Breaker review, knowing that I would go and and look at them. Should um, have broken them in front of him, like taking a video of you just breaking the figures. Well, they're not mine, so first know. of all, they're Japanese ones. So if you're an in-box collector, you don't even care. It doesn't matter. Um, but I'm not, and so I I want those. <laughs> I didn't. It's hard to tell. It's hard to tell from the picture, but I have two questions. One okay. is: Is Marth's sword straight, or is it bent? Uh, straight. Oh, good. It, good. Uh, are you sure it doesn't bend to the left a little? I know a guy that happened to. <laughs> and does and the second question is: Does he have the mirth face? Yes, he does have the mirth face. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's pretty, even, they're pretty good, man. They're pretty detailed. That's even better. They both are. They both have pretty derpy faces, though. If you get like the slightly messed up ones. No, this one was good. It was in pretty good shape. Yeah. Well, anyway, Amiibo. I, 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 I have a feeling. My sister a... t- took the pictures, and she's a trained photographer, right? And then she went like into Photoshop and started like touching them, and I'm like, Oh, <laughs> this I is a lot of effort. I didn't realize so much. Jared. I didn't realize so much work went into pleasing me. Yeah. This is this is because this is because months and months ago. Uh, his sister was supposed to write an article for us, and Jared was like, eh, I don't know. I don't know that I'm going to put that on the site. She should write it, do all that work anyway. I don't know that we're going to publish it. I believe Jared's exact words was he wasn't comfortable having women write for the site. I think that was <laughs> that was what I said. Um, I just, I feel like their place is, you know, at home, raising children. Yeah. So, I, I, I was behind you on that. Yeah. <laughs> He's even, Jared's not even sure when women got permission to read and write in this country. I mean, I was I was pretty happy when Bayonetta yeah, 2 came along and uh, basically ended women's suffrage. <laughs> <laughs> that seems to be how I remember it going down. If you read if you read Twitter, that's what Bayonetta 2 did. So, well done. 
But uh, but yeah, it, I I I don't know. I guess I'm a bad person. Well, okay. yeah, no, it's just it's just this is how karma works. Yeah, fair <laughs> enough. I'm I'm still on the amiibo uh, bandwagon, but I do not have an Ike or a Marth, and it is not looking good. <laughs> it almost certainly is not. Uh, I, I I have a feeling that that if if Jared gets the two Lucina amiibos. He's going to give me the derpier of the two. Well, that might be why I would buy two, is just to make sure that if there's an imperfection, I can send it to you. <laughs> I also might break the box open and put like a peach in there and send that to you. Oh, thank you. So that could be that funny. Kind of you. That could be a funny thing that happens. Or just pictures of butts. Or just a picture of a butt on the back of it. Yeah. Well, why not? Um, wrong with butt pics? Yeah, nothing wrong with that. That's a normal thing to do. Should we talk about uh, old Petey? Petey, Petey Molyneux? Uh, is that it? Didn't we have... Was there, I feel like there was more news. Was there more news? What else? I mean, P- Petey is news, but what else uh, is... Well, oh, right. I, I did get I to, found uh, out... Oh, yeah, go ahead. So, like, yeah. Ed McMillan, the, the creator of One Device, like, announced DLC for it today. But not for the new one, for the old one. Oh, that's kind of weird. It is. So yeah, I don't know. I don't know what to make of that. Huh. I I don't know that I I don't know if there's anything to read into there. I guess we'll Fuck see. Fuck you for buying the new one. <laughs> um, well, not, not necessarily because a lot of people who bought the new one also have the old one, so it's not like. Yeah. Know. I I don't know though. Maybe maybe it was like in a work in progress well before Rebirth came out. Could be. But yeah, that's a little strange. Um, anything else, Petey? Uh, I mean, I guess, I guess, uh, Game Informer had its, uh, has two Mater as its cover again. Oh, yeah, do we know anything other than the cover? There's uh, bears. There, there are bears, yes, and it looks I don't like know, man. I saw that cover, and I'm siding with the bear on this one. Because he had You're a lot of fucking, bear. he had a lot of fucking arrows sticking out of him, and they were on his oh, back. Oh, my God. So, so, what I'm saying is she went and, like, started shooting on him, and the guy is like, stop. Bears are endangered, all right? What a bitch. He's asking for mercy. He's like, stop, please. <laughs> so, uh... Now that's a game right there. <laughs> Owl killer. Take a bear. <laughs> Make the bears beg for mercy. I think uh, I think Mortal Kombat X's achievements leaked today. Um, well, it looks like... Well, I wasn't even done with Rise of the Tomb Raider. We just all... Oh, bad for the bear. Sorry. So we're talking about that. So, yeah, I was asking, what do we know other than that? There's a bear. What non bear related news do you have for us? It looks like she might be going back to globetrotting instead of being stuck on one island. Yeah, I thought I thought that was the idea. Like we were heading to, you know, kind of more of what we're used to from from old Lara Croft. There's definitely there's definitely a lot of mountains, a lot of snow, you know, the uh, environmental effects look pretty cool but yeah it seems you know at least that's at least that's what game informer is suggesting that she's going back to um you know like that i I guess when we saw the trailer she was in the middle of a therapy session trying to get over what happened to her on the island um and i think at least from the sounds of it they're going to use that to frame her throwing herself into more dangerous situations like kind of the the world over now unfortunately um, well, it looks like there's going to be a lot more pretty cool platforming and mountain climbing and across all these locales. 
I still don't see a whole lot of tomb raiding, and for me, that was like the best part of the reboot. Even though they're, you know, they the sections were really short. Mm-hmm. What uh, I want to know is why isn't she back in the kitchen where a woman belongs? Yeah, and where <laughs> oh, are her children? <laughs> Not writing articles for Enemy Slime. She hasn't even born any children yet. <laughs> what good is she? What good is she? At least, at least now, let me ask if if she if she goes and raids a tomb. Will she get a percentage less gold than if a man had raided it? <laughs> I'm yes. sure. I'm sure Laura Croft gets makes less money off tomb raiding than Nathan Drake does. Like she breaks in and and there's old King Tut and there's just like a diamond and that's it. Seventy <laughs> percent less gold. Seventy percent less gold. I mean thirty percent. Sorry. Seventy. And all for doing only half the or tomb raiding of a man. Yeah, you know, well, no, she, she tomb raid. She has to tomb raid twice as hard because the tomb yeah, raid right. take tomb her. Raid, the, she, the, the traps, the traps have all been built with men in mind, and so like, right, it's like you know, you need to insert your cock into this eye, into this hole. In order to open <laughs> what? What kind of tomb is that? The best kind. <laughs> it's That's a how Egyptians tomb. rolled. Oh my god! Can you guys go one podcast without thinking about a glory hole? <laughs> Oh, whoa, whoa. Nobody said anything about glory holes. Just oh, how they unlocked doors yeah. back then. So what happens when you put it in there in the tomb? You um, you activate the mechanism. Uh, yeah. Oh, it okay. opens up, and the treasures of Osiris are yours. Uh-huh. Yeah. But what happens, you know, with the locking mechanism? Does it feel good? Yes. Yeah. Of course. Yeah, it's good. It's good. I've, they've had better. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, it's like it's a 2,500-year-old lock. It's not as good as today's cock-activated locks. Exactly. It's not as tight as it used to be. The cl- right, right. Classic cock lock. Uh, okay, moving yeah. on. So, <laughs> no, no, moving on. Keep going. I want to hear where the how far, how down, deep down we can go with this. Uh, like really straight the bottle of the barrel here. I think that's it. It's <laughs> pretty good. Um, fuck. What was I going to talk about? I don't even remember. Peter Molyneux. Oh, Peter Mol Peter Molyneux. Um. I don't know how much you guys know about this, so let me take you back in time a little bit uh, okay. to to how this to how this whole thing began. Come with me on my uh, time machine on on the epoch. Come come hop on board, and I'll play a really lame theme, and then we'll go back in time. Yeah. Um, uh, did, did you just call the epic the, the epic theme lame? The epoch theme lame. It's so cheesy when you get no, on it. it. It's like no. do, 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 do. It's like the greatest theme ever. It's like a friendship what is wrong theme. With you? It's got like that. It's got like a childlike sense of wonder when you get in that thing. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Yeah, that I would describe uh, it as I'm, childlike. I'm, I think uh, that's fair. Oh, God, I, I'm so sickened with you right now. You yep. disgust me. Yep. Yep, that's right. Well, there will be plenty of time to talk about that next month. Podcast over. Um, <laughs> so, let's see. When did... I'm trying to think of when Curiosity came out. Uh, it's been a while. Like 2012, I think. Uh, let's see. 13? Yeah, yeah, 2012. So, in 2012, uh, Peter Molyneux went and opened up his new video game studio called 22 Cans. And if you're not familiar, first of all, Peter Molyneux is the uh, is the mind behind hit games like Fable and uh, Black and White. No, no, no. B- Peter Molyneux is the M. Night Shyamalan of video games. He, made, he made Fable. He made, two, he made two good games back in like ni- the 90s. And then he's never had anything good ever again. And in fact, every game he makes keeps getting worse than the one before. Um, he was the designer for Populous too, wasn't he? Yes, exactly. 
And uh, Populous was good. Yeah. So so Populous. Black and White was okay. Wasn't great. And actually, actually, he was on the original Dungeon Keeper too. Now I think about it. So there you go. The Amalan of. So I would. I think you're doing him. I think you're doing him a little bit of a disservice to imply that he only had two good games because I think I think Populous and Dungeon Keeper and Black and White and Fable and and even Fable Two and I. I won't Fable make it. Was bad. I won't. Fable Two is better than Fable One. Well, that's sick. I mean, all right. So we're we're deviating <laughs> anyway. I think Fable is really where uh, the disappointment started to set in. Um, I, I feel like I feel like it's where he hit like his um, not his peak. Certainly not his peak of bold promises that he could never possibly reach. But Fable was where everybody started to realize this guy might be like a little, a over-promiser. little, little bit of an overpromiser, uh, underdeliverer. So anyway, a little optimistic. His relationship with Microsoft and Lionhead Studios ends, and he goes to start Twenty Two Cans, and their well, f- first project. Can, can I can I tell you how I put it before you explain the whole thing? Sure. Yeah. I I put it like this that that Peter Molyneux he promises a lot of stuff that sounds technologically impossible and then it turns out that it is yeah well to be fair we don't even know if he really even tried he was just like yeah yeah the game cures cancer so i don't he just uh, comes into like a a development room and he's like i have all these great ideas and then he just walks out and everyone's like well you can't fucking do that (laughs) yeah so i don't i don't know if you guys have real time threes uh I don't know if you guys have ever like worked with somebody like this before, but but they they usually are they they call themselves entrepreneurs or idea men, and they they would be the type where if you were having a conversation, um, you know you you could be like, oh well, you know I really miss my my grandpa because he died and now he's not around anymore, and they'd be like, well why don't we just come up with a way to uh, to have people not die, <laughs> like that's basically. That's basically what we're dealing with here. It's an idea man, and an idea man is great. But a lot of times, a lot of times, when your sole like responsibility is to come up with ideas, you just start going for the low fruit, right? You're like, why don't we just stop death? <laughs> Stuff like that. And so that's right. that's basically what, I, I, what Fable I, was. I, I think I saw I think I saw a quote where, um. You know about about this particular situation where Petey Molyneux was like, the problem with creative types is if they do the same thing for too long, they'll get bored and then want to go do something else. So I had to get rid of those people. Um, and it's funny that he says that because I don't think I've seen that problem at Telltale, and I don't, I don't think I've seen that problem on like uh, television where they have to work on the same show for years and years. So it it might be him. It might not be the people working for him. He just strikes me as the type of guy who gets really excited about an idea, and then when they have to sit down and figure out how to make it work, he's like, oh, "I'm just gonna, I'm gonna go do something else later, guys. Time for lunch." Yeah, yeah. I think I think that's a fair uh, assessment. I think that... <laughs> here we are trashing him, but we haven't even talked about the scenario well, yet. But, so that's, I mean, it's important to know the type of dude he is. And, and to be fair, I like I said, I don't think I think he's worked on a lot of good games. I I. Never would say that three. He worked on three good games. Well, he's worked on. uh, (laughs) He's worked on three good games. I can't. I can't make a case for Magic Carpet or Magic (laughs) Carpet Two. No, not probably not. Oh, Project Milo, though. Come on now, that Project 
Project Milo is a great example of the problem. <laughs> yes. Um, anyway, long story short, Peter goes and he starts a new studio called 22 Cans and they release a game called Curiosity. And even though the even though like the execution was poor, I think you got to admire the concept. So the idea was that there was this giant cube. You would download this app on your phone and it would bring up this giant 3D cube. And then all you basically did is you just started tapping it and you would clear squares off of it. And these are very, very tiny little squares that you clear off. And everybody else who's downloaded the app is also clearing squares off. And you're all doing this together in real time, which is exactly the kind of engineering nightmare that Peter Molyneux would come up with. And the game is was very representative of that because it really did not work very well. Did he um, promise it was going to be like this exciting first-person shooter where you could like... No, no, no. <laughs> no, no, no. Because what he did is that you can actually pay to um, add cubes to the to the big cube. So like what all people are clearing cubes, you could be a griefer and start like, you know, deploying your own cubes to like ruin their fun. You could? Yes. I didn't I didn't know that actually. Microtransactions to that. I remember being able to do microtransactions to get tools to remove the cubes faster, but I don't remember yeah. anything. I don't know why you would buy one to add cubes because the entire promise is that I don't know why you would play this game. It sounds retarded. The entire promise only one, only one, Michael, this sounds really stupid. Only one person <laughs> could um could get the actual price. Right, right. So you would. Uh, the The idea was that the last person was to, it a better game? No, no, no. So the last the last <laughs> person to clear a cube would, uh, and all they said, all, all all they said about it is the last person to clear a cube would win a life changing prize, which is a pretty bold. I remember you talking about pretty, this. Pretty pretty bold statement. So when you open it up, it will change your life. Um, and so by killing it, you, but no one no one's ever cleared the cube. So <laughs> Only one person can get it. So that's why the whole thing about paying to grief people so they don't get to open the cube. So, so no one's gotten the cube, have they? No, they they did. So um so they, they got it they got it to open. The last person got it to open. It took a long time. Like the game ran for like half a year or something like that. Um they get the cube open and uh twenty two cans gives the guy who opens it, they give him a choice. They say, You can either take the prize and not share it with anybody, like don't we won't tell anybody what the prize was and you just have it and you go about your way and no one ever knows. Um, or you can take the prize and and we'll tell everybody what it is. And he elected to tell everybody what it is. Um and so basically the reward was the person who cleared the cube would take on the role of God in the new upcoming 22 Cans game, Goddess. That's not life-changing. Uh, well, That's a waste of my fucking time. On top of that, they would also... Wait, wait. wait. They would Maybe also it's going to ruin his life. They would also share in the profits uh, of, of the game. So, oh, so they're going to share in zero dollars. <laughs> I don't know how much money Goddess... Well, no, actually... The question is, now that we know that Goddess is awful, are we going to... Uh, is he going to have to, like share on like all the loan see. payments that they're gonna have to make and all the see, losses yes. that the company took see let me let me tell you this like because that will teach your life too that 15 percent of nothing is still nothing and well, okay. with the way goddess is going okay so you guys are the, way goddess, the life-changing experiences that they sign for all the expenses with this guy's yeah, social exactly. security number with the, way, with the way goddess is going this guy is actually gonna owe the players money you guys exactly. are, you guys are getting way 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 ahead of and me you're here. telling me that won't change your life <laughs> 
So did they just not well, put I, him in then? You just you just talk. <laughs> well, I'd love to tell you more about it. Go ahead and tell us more. No, Jack. we're going to keep no. talking over for you for the rest <laughs> of the ahead, episode. Tell us more, Jack. So after after this is decided and revealed, first of all, the game doesn't exist at this point. Uh, so about two weeks. Oh, it after, exists. That's that's uh, that's rough. It exists. No, it didn't. It didn't exist when they announced that he was the winner. They're oh, like, oh, oh good news, you're okay. going to be God at some point. We'll let you know when that is. Um, but it wasn't like your God today, you know. It was like, well, we're gonna make a game, and you're gonna be in it. Oh God, did the di- guy die before it released? No. Oh. Okay. <laughs> God, it's like I'm watching. It's like I'm watching a movie in a theater filled with black people. Calm it down. Hey. Whoa. Hey, no. Don't go in that door. <laughs> There's no way to go. Don't go in that no door, Jared. Go Don't open the door, Jared. <laughs> oh Jesus, man, Jared, if you were a woman, I'd slug you. I can say that because we have a black person on the podcast. I didn't say you could say it. <laughs> oh, was I supposed to run it by you? You were supposed to run it by me. I don't know how this works yet. You gotta fill out the paperwork. <laughs> you gotta fill out a, a form. <laughs> well, anyway, anyway, um, now I don't even remember what the fuck happened. Oh yeah, so about two weeks later, they launched a Kickstarter to fund the game that they just gave away as a prize. <laughs> I already think that's fucking ridiculous. <laughs> You'd be like, oh, hey. <laughs> You're gonna be you're gonna be god of this game. And by the way, we don't even have the funding for it yet. So this is does this kid get at least a slice of the Kickstarter? Did they hit him up for money? <laughs> How badly so, do you want to be god? That's a that's a great question. So <laughs> they raised uh, they started the Kickstarter and they raised a total of seven hundred and thirty five thousand dollars and Jesus. And some change. Either way. They- wow, well, but that, that kind of budget, there's no way they screwed that up. So, well, <laughs> so, anyway, this it gets, it gets weirder, right? So the game comes out, and it's released on mobile with kind of a full feature set. Um, but most people wanted to play it on the PC, and it gets a PC release, but it's missing most of the features that are on mobile. Um there's a community manager, his name, he, he basically like comes onto the goddess forums and, and loves the game and is really passionate about it and basically does a bunch of work on it for 22 cans for free. Uh, I don't know what the timetable is for how long he, he was working on it for free, but he basically, you know how it's pretty common in video games to have like a community manager who is working on behalf of the company, but you're not actually paying them anything. And that's right. what that's what this guy was basically doing. Um, and then just recently, he was actually added to the design team. Like, 22 Cans actually hired him and gave him, like, a, like a paying position. Um, I, don't, I don't know how this got out. Like, I, I guess maybe Rock, Paper, Shotgun pretty much picked it up. But this guy basically kind of went, went rogue on 22 Cans and went ahead and posted on their forums that... Uh, here, I'll, I'll, I'll read you the exact quote. Um, so, hold on. Before you do that, you're telling me... That they hired some stranger off the internet and that went badly for them? A little bit. Uh, it sounds like things are going bad for them in general, but I don't know that he's helping. Um, so he posted... Nothing has, nothing has been going uh, right for Peter Molyneux since like 2004, man. So no, he, everything's been going right because he keeps lying to us and getting to make more games. So he posted and said, uh, to be brutally candid and realistic, I simply can't see us delivering all the features promised on our Kickstarter page. A lot of the multiplayer stuff is looking seriously shaky right now, especially the persistent stuff like Hub World. 
Goddess is rather confused right now. It plays like an ongoing persistent game without a real endpoint, and yet it's divided up into discrete levels. This is one of the big decisions we will need to make in the next couple of weeks. And again, realistically, I'm having to ask myself, how can we turn what Goddess is right now into a good, complete experience rather than how can we deliver on the Kickstarter pitch goals? We are in the process of reevaluating the big picture direction of and end goal of Goddess. It's not an easier, straightforward task, but I will let you know when I can. Um so basically, he posts on the forums in response to people being like, hey, when will, when will I get this thing that's promised on the Kickstarter? And, uh, and basically says, uh, I have two choices here. I can try and honor the promises in the Kickstarter, or I could make a good game. And uh, right now, it's not either. So how, how do I live up to all the crazy things that Peter Molyneux promised? That's basically it. So to give you an update on Molyneux, he has actually already moved on to a new project with 22 Cans that's called, <laughs> I want to say it's called The Trail. Um, yeah, I think, the, the, was it The Trail or The Trial? It was one of those things. Oh, is it The it's Trial? It's either A Trial or A Trail. I don't know which. Um, the Trial sounds more interesting, but... <laughs> Maybe it'll be the trial of 22 cans versus the Kickstarter backers. Um, now, uh, an, another another fun fact. So anyway, uh, Rock Paper Shotgun goes and they pick up these forum posts and they go ahead and run them on their site. I don't know if someone tipped them off that they were there. Um, this this Conrad Nezienski guy, he actually seems like the type who who would probably be like a whistleblower, essentially. Um, and, and reach out to them. But one way or another, Rock, Paper, Shotgun gets a hold of it, they post it, and it basically just explodes. Most people didn't even know this was a game, but now everybody knows it's a game, and it's not a good one, which is bad. Um, I feel like at this point, maybe when Peter Molyneux releases a game that doesn't live up to any promises, isn't that just like his homage to himself? Oh, it is. Well, I was, I was just saying that, you know, I, I find it hard to feel bad for the people that backed goddess yeah like, what are you Peter's expecting at this point history yeah yeah but, but you cheated oh on God. me five I, I times think, but the sixth time he'll really love me you got to keep in mind that this was a, a primarily mobile game and like it came off the heels of curiosity which was also mobile which i think means that the audience probably skews to a younger uh group like potentially people who've never even heard of peter molyneux this is going to seem weird yeah. but there are people now who will never have, like, even gamers who don't know what Fable is, who are now old enough to buy things on the internet. Um, so it is possible that this is your first Molyneux dupe, and we just have to welcome them to the fold <laughs> and be that old. I mean, you guys are basically like the old cynical man on the porch who's like, I told you you shouldn't give that guy your money. Like, yeah, of course. <laughs> no, I feel like anyone who contributes money to keeping this guy in games whether you knew it or not, like you're you're at fault. Like, man, you sound, you, sound, you sound like Peter personally offended you, Michael. Like he walked up to your house and punched you in the face. I mean, you, who who are you to say he didn't? <laughs> to give you more details, um, they it was also revealed that the Goddess team had actually been downsized with a number of key members, like their uh, main producer. Uh, leaving and going to the trial. So it's not just Molyneux who's kind of moved on to brighter things. It's a lot of the goddess team. Um, so anyway, all this gets out, it blows up. And so naturally what 22 cans has to do is they have to make a video response to let people know what's going on. 
And this video is 17 minutes of just some of the most awkward, weird shit that you've ever seen. It's <laughs> it's this uh, it's the Nazinski guy, some other dude running a MacBook Pro who I don't know, separating him and Peter Molyneux. And uh, they basically talk about where the project is at and, and what is going to happen and, uh, you know, kind of what's gone wrong here. Um, I, I'll, I'll give you a little excerpt from, from I think this is, I don't, I don't remember where I got this from. Um, in the video, Molyneux confesses that Goddess isn't where it should be, its team and funds have been reduced, and that a mountain of mistakes have been made along the way to this point. He confesses prior ignorance to Kickstarter and early access, admitting that he did, did things badly and incorrectly. He notes the game's PC version should have been his team's first goal, not the apparently more lucrative mobile version, and then drops a real bombshell by saying, I take the point that some of the pledges should have been met and that we should have taken the time to work on them. The issue that people have there is he says some of the pledges should have been met on the Kickstarter. I think the, of course, the better way to phrase that is all of the pledges should have been met on the Kickstarter. Um, but I, I mean, I, but if you fund up my next game, then I'll give you everything. You I see, the, th- the 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 worst part about that is because I read some of his statement and he said something about using Kickstarter in the future, and he phrased it in such a way that he still plans to use Kickstarter in the future. Well, yeah, because because now, under- now he now now he understands it. <laughs> now he understands it. He the first, like, no, I won't make the same mistakes I made last time. The first time he used it, he didn't know what it was. He thought that it was. <laughs> I didn't realize they'd be getting people's money. He thought he these were money. He thought no these were just angel angel investors, you know, who are gonna <laughs> give him the money and then let him just do whatever he wants. And uh, it turns out it's not that; it's something else, something much worse. <laughs> so. Did he like start flogging himself afterwards? Because uh, that sounds like a very like you know mea culpa apology. Uh, he he ends the video on a on a very positive note, and there's this there's all this great stuff where you can basically tell that this community manager turned designer um, has no faith in the project whatsoever, and is pretty much just resigned. Like, oh great, this is how this is how I die. And uh, and Molyneux is kind of his usual optimistic self, and basically takes a stance of like, "Yeah, I fucked up a lot, but but it's we're gonna make it good. This guy will make it good. Sorry, not we. There's no we, but this other guy. Before I die, I will make one game worth playing. But um, I don't know how confirmed this is or what we know about it yet. But the running theory is that a lot of the money earned from the Goddess Kickstarter. Uh, has probably made its way over to fund the trial. Mm. That's uh, I think that's just really bad form. <laughs> I don't, I don't, I'm, be, I want to be really clear that that's speculation. That's, I, that's I don't... speculation, but I want to, I want to say this: if if that gets proven, right? Because I, th- you know, I think there's a lot of murky area with Kickstarter, and I think you know, maybe, maybe it's a, maybe it's a coin flip. Maybe half the time these creators that use Kickstarter. And don't then don't deliver a project or telling the truth when they say, oh, I misappropriated the funds and I didn't know how much this would actually cost. And I did this much work, but now I don't have any more money and this thing is actually gone. Right. And then I think there are some that just kind of take it and run and and they lie about it. Um, You know, I think this is the one case where if it's proven that he took this money from from Kickstarter for this project, 
and then used it to fund a different project, uh, I think you can prove that's like legally wrongful in some cases where with most Kickstarters, you just can't touch them. It's in your shit out of luck. But I think, in, I think as far as Goddess is concerned, like when I see these, um, when I see all these Kickstarter arguments about what you should have spent and what you shouldn't have spent, and if you can sue someone or if you can uh, do a chargeback and all this kind of thing, I think I think this Goddess case is the one time when there's a nice little trail where, um, you know, the people that funded it should be mad and they should do something about it. Well, so uh, I, I do. You know, wanna, I don't. I don't think he just gets away with it. I do want to throw in here that according to the Kickstarter terms of service. Um, this, this like confessional video has now put them at a point where technically now keep in mind, 22 cans hasn't offered this, but, uh, technically according to Kickstarter's terms of service, uh, any of the backers would be eligible for a refund at this point. Uh, and And I think they should pursue it. And so I don't know what happens if 22 cans doesn't start offering those refunds, um, I don't know if Kickstarter can take back the money or, or redistribute it to people. I'm not sure what, what happens if you violate their terms of service. I think, I think the ideal scenario... I honestly think they exist only to keep uh, Kickstarter from getting sued. I mean, it would be pretty fantastic if, by violating that term of service, Kickstarter didn't allow 22 cans to use their service for their next project. This is, this is honestly um, the first case this big that I've heard like this in terms of Kickstarter. Um, so it's going to be an interesting series of developments around it. And again, I think the player base should rebel on this one. I honestly do. So anyway, um, goddess, I guess the moral of the story is, uh, if you didn't buy it yet, cause it is still for sale, you could still buy it. Um, if you were a moron, if you were an no, idiot. no, the moral, the moral of the story is that the consumer base needs to fight back on this one. You need to, you need to get your re- refunds. You go to Valve and be like, "This was misrepresented. I want my money back." You need to go to Kickstarter, do some chargebacks. You need, to, you need to like create some kind of petition or some shit, and you know, send it to Twenty Two Cans. You know, and you get busy, people. You get you're busy aware you get your that money back. you're aware that chargebacks don't hurt Peter more than you, right? Well, uh, but I mean, it's just. You get your money back, but Peter Molyneux also thinks to keep his money. Yeah, that's true. The I think someone taking the hit. I think the real thing that they need to do is push this this angle of Kickstarter uh, t- terms being violated because, I, I, you know, if you if you fuck up like this, you really shouldn't be allowed to use that service anymore um, because there's always going to be different consumers that are going to come along who don't know your past and don't know your situation and start donating money. And it's kind of like uh, I don't want to I don't want to start up a whole other thing, but it's like Dennis Dyack, where somehow he keeps getting into positions where he gets to take people's money, and it it really is at least partially, you know, ethically up to the services that let him do that to stop it at some point. At least I would think. I, I just can't feel too bad for anyone who spends money on Kickstarter without doing the research. Yeah, I, 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 I don't know. I, I, I feel like even by Peter Molyneux's standards, this is this is a big fuck up. Because it sounds like they don't even just they just don't intend to do anything else with the game. It sounds like they just don't intend to finish it. They don't intend like like nothing in Peter's apology, or if you want to call it an apology, nothing in that implies that he feels any really real guilt over this and that he intends to amend it. No, I, I don't think that I, I and like I said, the it's it's such a if if you get a chance, watch the video. Maybe I'll include it with this podcast. 
um, because it's just so interesting. Like watch the watch the dude on the left, the designer. Just watch the look on his face while Peter talks, because every time Peter makes like this bold claim, the dude just kind of rolls his eyes. Or I mean, it, it's just <laughs> the whole video is so awkward and bizarre. Like I don't know how this happened. Where they a I don't know how they got into a position where they made that video, and then b I'm even more confused as to how they were like, yeah, we should post this. Um, it's just, it's, it's insane. And it's worth noting that this backlash has been going on since well before it blew up this week. Like it's huge news this week, but if you go on steam, people have been mad about this thing since like January, like there's, there's tons of reviews for the game, uh, that are all negative. And, um, I mean, even back in January, they were calling the game abandonware. Like these guys have pretty much people who bought it have pretty much given up on ever getting anything else out of it. Yeah. So, and actually, I think that's probably the case. I don't think the game has been updated on Steam since, like, December. So, uh, steer clear, avoid it. I mean, it, shit, it's been in early access for well over a year, and it's nowhere near being good to go. So, yeah, anyway, got us. <sighs> oh, video games. <laughs> Did anybody play a video game? I'd play a video game. Do you want to talk about it before we wrap up? <laughs> we run out of all that time already. I mean, we're we're yep. we're getting pretty close, um, but we we have time to talk about some weird shit. I mean, I guess I've been playing a game called um, R No Surge. I so I'm so confused by this stuff. Um, is it related to these other like ulterior interior design games? What? All right, so so Gust help, is, help uh, me. Gust is a um, a company that primarily specializes in RPGs, right? And we're talking about Japanese RPGs because they're a Japanese company. Um, so they have two series that run parallel to one to one another. So there's Altair, which is their Alchemist series, and that has something like I think sixteen uh, parts to it out. Like each one of them is a different trilogy, but there's something like sixteen games, and the number might be more. Um, so that's, that's, that, that's one series that they have. And then during the PlayStation 2 era, they introduced this other RPG series called Artsnelico. And Artsnelico, the first one was similar to, um, Altier Iris in terms of gameplay, but the story and the world are completely different. Um, and then after that, the Artsnelico series really took on, its own kind of personality and its own um, story. And, you know, the second game is unrecognizable from Altair. Um, so you have Artsnelico, which is their one series, and Altair, which is their other series. And the easiest way to remember this is this. The, the Altair series is the Alchemist series, right? And it's light, it's fun, it's comedic. It's usually about a female alchemist. There's usually some males, whatever, but... Um, the thing is, you go out into the world and you gather pieces and then uh, you transmute them into useful shit, you know, shit you can sell and homunculus and uh, and weapons and all this kind of shit. And you have a little adventure, right? It's real, it's real kind of cute and lighthearted and fun for the whole family. And Artanelico is best remembered because everything is about anal sex. Um, that's how you tell the difference. Yep. So... Also, it's said in modern times, but you know. Well, the modern, sexism, but that, that's not identifying. I, right. I wouldn't say I wouldn't say modern times because Artsnelico takes place in a very weird 
it's kind of like a science fiction slash fantasy universe, and I've I've never been super clear on the lore, and I played, you know, I I played the I played the entire first game, I played most of the second game, I played parts of the third game, and now Arno Surge is a prequel to the series, um, and Arno Surge is de- definitely takes place in space. You're like on a derelict spacecraft, and different societies have built on the spaceship, and they're at war with each other and all this shit. Um, so it's it's confusing, and the main th- and I, you know, it's confusing. First of all, how the world is built. I guess everything in the world is built on like a tower. Um, so during the game, you're either like ascending or descending this like giant tower where people have just been able to build entire societies and all this shit. Um, and I guess the most confusing aspect is uh, the concept of song magic, right? So song magic can only be cast by females in this universe. And females, um, you know, the song magic casters, they're referred to as different shit in the series. So in most of Arc's article, they're called uh, Revitales. Um, but in Arno Surge, they're called Genosis or, or, or Genomesis or something weird like that. And, um, you know, they don't seem to be normal women. They don't really explain where they come from or how they're born. I guess some of the, I guess in some cases they're created, in other cases it's a natural birth. Uh, so they're somewhere between, you know, your typical woman slash goddess slash cyborg slash test tube baby. So they have like really kind of odd origins, um, and weird shit happens to them. Like they can get a computer virus, for example, and <laughs> this computer virus can fuck them up and turn them evil. Um, you know. <laughs> And I don't know, I guess uh, it, it's it's just, I, I've never fully grasped it. Like, it's just a super confusing lore. But everything about them, everything about the song Magic Casters um, is built around being able to make all of these, like, anal sex references and these cherry popping references. Um, which Arnold Surge is. Like, Arnold Surge, I would say it tones down all of the innuendo by a lot. Um, but in order to draw out new song magic right they need a partner that they trust um and in order to get this partner this partner kind of has to quote unquote dive into them and a dive is uh, ladies you... hate that <laughs> a dive is basically you going into like their mindscape and seeing the different assets of their personality um and seeing like their deepest kind of mental and emotional issues and shit that happened to them in the past and working it out and really they just use it as an excuse to get all of these like japanese um cliches out the way so sometimes you'll go in and and the girl who's like the really strong leader in your party she becomes like a scared little schoolgirl, or she becomes like a bondage queen or some shit like that um and you spend all this time diving and then you get some new song magic out of it um you know and then you have to install it into them and installing the song magic is where they get like the most of their sex references from. It's like, oh, you gotta be careful with that. Be nice and gentle when you put it in me. Um, so it's it's uh, it's that type of game. I want to say. Um, yeah, it's not a really. What you know? Is there is there is there like game stuff to do in it? <laughs> I just I just told you about the dive. I guess the dive that's... is like the. The, like the dating sim, yeah. There's games still to do. So, so I, I like the combat system in in Artonico. I like the combat system and I like the way random battles work, um, because you'll get a meter that indicates how many battles are left in the area, 
um, and the meter will flash in terms of how close you are to doing around the battle. So you can kind of tell when one is coming up. And Arno Surge actually makes the system even better because it's possible for you to defeat every enemy in the area in one battle. And then you don't have to put up with it anymore. Um, and how that works is, again, through the song magic. So you'll be battling as the main character, right? And um, it's, I want to say it's like a button combo system. Um, not, not like Zeno Gears, but it's um, it's more like Tails. Has anyone played any of the Tails games? Yeah. Because, yeah, it all happens in like real time. So, um, you know, as your main combatant, you're attacking and you're defending. But then one of the uh, song weavers, she'll be in the back row, uh, you know, singing away her little song and building up her magic power. And then you can unleash your song, and it'll wipe out as many enemies as you're able to reach. Like, you're able to monitor how many bad guys this magic is going to hit once she starts singing. Um, and then you're able just to just, like, wipe out every enemy in the area after one battle if you choose to do so. Um, and, you know, the, ba- the battles will automatically end whenever you cast song magic. So it's a guaranteed end to the battle. Um, and I don't know. I, like, I really like the combat. Um I think the I think the problem with Arno Surge is since they toned down like the sexual humor so much, you realize it's actually not a very good story. <laughs> it's uh, it seems you like know, you're, at least in the other Artinelical games, you're sitting there and yeah, it seems like what? You know, I was gonna say it seems like they got a pretty good uh, English voice cast. They've got I, I yeah, see they got... I see old old Johnny. Uh, Johnny Young Bosch. Johnny Young Bosch. And then I see Wendy Lee on here, who is, of course, Faye Valentine. Yeah. Oh, yeah, the voice acting is really good. Mm. It's just like the story makes no fucking sense. Um, and As I'll give you an example. to the coherent stories we've come to expect from Japan. Uh, I played, I, I definitely played more <laughs> coherent than Ar- Arno Surge. Um, and I think I think a lot of its pitfalls, like like the plot in particular, isn't hard to follow. Basically, we're at war and we're going back and forth with this other country. And, uh, you know, you actually play from two perspectives. I haven't made it to the second perspective yet. Um, I'm still on the first perspective. But I think it's the characterization that's just off for this game. Uh, and I'll give you an example. My main song weaver, she's supposed to be like this super elite member of some kind of military, like, um, you know, they basically like a dev crew or they're like Delta Force or something. So she's supposed to be this real elite badass. Um, but then she'll do shit like complain about not having any shampoo for her hair or complain about being too sweaty or complain about her legs hurting, which is, yeah, it's really cutesy and anime in Japanese, but it doesn't fit a soldier at all. <laughs> so, um, it's, it's kind of, it's almost like they wanted their cake and to eat it too. Um, because a lot of their characters are like this. A lot of their characters will have like one job title where there's supposed to be one thing, but then everything about the character just kind of clashes with, um, what it is they're supposed to be doing in the story and, and what kind of abilities they had. And, um, you know, I guess, I guess it, 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 it just kind of throws you off, especially if you're in one scene and you have this, uh, this girl who's like a secret agent and she does the typical spy thing of subterfuge and lying to people and, and being a good actress. And then the next moment she's like, Oh, my legs hurt. I want to take a break. Like, what kind of fucking soldier is this? Does she um, complain about being cold a lot? She she does actually complain about being cold a lot. Hmm. Well, that's all women. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> does she write uh, about being cold a lot? She better not. <laughs> so help me God. She was by an oven. She wouldn't be cold. <laughs> 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 
<laughs> oh no. Oh dear. All right um, then. Well, that sounds like a treat of a game. When did it when did it come out? Cuz it, it's not new, is it? No, it's it's kind of new. It came out. I feel like it came out at the end. It got localized at the end of last year. Well, I I guess there's the story. Um because it's it's really weird how they decided to do it. So Oh yeah, it looks like September. Yeah, so so there's Siono Surge, which is which happens before the game happens, and I guess that was a series of cell phone episodes in Japan, and if I'm correct, it was just like a dating sim or something like that, um, or I, I don't know, maybe it was like an adventure game. I think it was supposed to be like an adventure game, like the Telltale or whatever, um, and they released all of those exclusively in Japan. And this might be part of the reason why the characterization is off here, because then they localized the um, RPG, but they never localized the episodes that they released first. Um, so when you start playing the RPG, it definitely feels like there's some story you're missing there. And it definitely feels like the characters knew each other from another project altogether that you're just missing out on and you have to catch up on. And it just feels weird to me that in 2014 they would go ahead and you know, localize the whole second half of the story, but not bother localizing the first half. Um, I mean, Phantom Breaker does the exact same thing, so I don't know why that surprises you. Because uh, I didn't play Phantom Breakers. That's also, <laughs> it, it also seems like Phantom Breakers kind of a uh, smaller no, project, I think. Yeah. No, but yeah. It's something that happens not a lot, but it does happen. I mean, it happens, but it's like this is a, a really confusing thing for it to happen with because you're talking about a ton of story. And and again, like I said, Arno Surge is the sequel to Siono Surge, but it's also the prequel to all the Arsenalical games. So it's like a heavy chunk of the mythology. Um, also, so it's a quick still image really search would suggest that it's kitty porn. Yeah, uh, I would uh, I would avoid looking up uh, any of what we're talking about. Yeah, in... so let me let me let me let me put this out there now. I should have probably mentioned this first. Um, Arts and Elico, I guess as a series overall, usually the women look of age, so you don't feel particularly like a creep. You're still a creep for playing it, but you don't feel like one. In our No Surge, um, the ladies definitely look a lot younger. Like the, the game in Japan loves to do this. The game implies all the women are much older than they look. Like it implies they're centuries old, but they act like fucking teenagers, and a lot of them look really young and a lot of them dress incredibly inappropriately um there's there's one character who is the dream baby of johnny young bosch and um the female lead i just call her sock because she has really cool socks um and the two of them fall asleep one night and the next morning they wake up and there's a baby and they don't know how it got there uh which is how you know i hate when that happens to me <laughs> I understand that's how I was born. So, so there's a there's a there's a kid there. She calls the mommy and daddy, and this kid is wearing this fucking bikini bottom. Um, that that I guess, man. How do I how do I how do I phrase this in such a way that I won't go to jail? I know that it's bad enough that even Jay is kind of like stuttering trying to. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, tell us how this works. It's 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 incredibly low cut. I'll just put it that way, and you feel like, man, you're like, does it have butt cleavage? Uh, all of them have butt cleavage. All of them, every single one. Uh, and even 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 the lead, like she wears a giant hoodie, 
for a lot of the game, but once you have to start installing crystals in her, she's wearing something where you can see butt cleavage. Do the men have butt cleavage? Is it at least fair? No, it's not fair. Oh, None, not the fair. men do not have butt cleavage, which is surprising because Artonelico 3 was actually pretty fair with the men getting just as naked as the women. I guess it'd be wow, ball that, cleavage. That really is like a deep cut. <laughs> yeah. Like, I'm pretty sure we should be in badge territory at this point, but there's like nothing there. <laughs> yeah. All right, I shouldn't, I shouldn't, oh, no. Why did I click any of this? (laughs) I'm not clicking any of this, so when all of you get taken to jail. So the next enemy slime. I feel like I belong in jail now. The next enemy slime podcast will be hosted by Doug, the one who had enough sense not to Google any of this. Unless the NSA comes after him for threatening all those people. That's true. (laughs) This is going to be me. I I do want to say that um, I was completely ignorant as to the uh, deeper content of this game. And had I known, I probably would not have purchased it. <laughs> did but, you did you buy it in person? Like, did you look someone oh, in the eye while no, you? No. I mean, the, I guess the covers, I, the covers, not that questionable. Like, it looks like, like the cover looks fun. The cover looks like typical Japanese RPG shit. Yeah, so I guess if if the clerk like knew your secret, then it's only because he was also a part of that secret, <laughs> and he would he would nod. destruction. He would nod slowly and indicate you should follow him into the back room. <laughs> oh, oh, you're buying this. Come with me, sir. I'm having a party later. Let me let me take you to my secret lair. <laughs> right. All right then. Well, no, this I is, don't know. So let, me, let, me, let, me, let me wrap up with Arno's search for this. I think it's it's only the type of game I would play if I really had nothing else to play. And, and I, really and I feel like and we play. got there. Yeah. So I'm going to give you so. I'm going to give you something else very shortly here. <laughs> we're going to we're going to get you off this mess. Do some regular adult porn. Well, it's going to be another game from Japan. So really, we have no idea what we're giving nope, him. Well. All right. Well. <laughs> Thank you, thank you, Jay, for that wonderful update. <laughs> if you, if you enjoyed hearing us be uh, excessively outraged by Peter Molyneux, um, be <laughs> sure to be sure to subscribe to the Enemy Slime podcast on iTunes and give us a great review that doesn't mention how awful and misogynistic this podcast is. That would be superb. If you, if you're a woman, I just want to say that I apologize. That you're all so worthless. We're gonna be. We're we gonna, still love you. We're gonna be back next Archie. week. No, you're married, right? Yes. <laughs> He's he has to he has to say some of this a little quieter because she I, might I, hear I think, him. I think you should double check after this podcast. No. Yeah, seriously. She's already out the door. It's it, it's done. <laughs> she packed her shit. You you can see into Doug's house right now, but all that's left is just his desk and his computer <laughs> and a box of cheeseburger skillet meal <laughs> she already took everything else alright well I hope that we'll be here next week for you to join us and if we are we have a special surprise podcast where uh, the Oscars are coming up it's kind of slow time in video games right now we're going to take a little break from all this uh, all this video game. You know, we're going to take a break from being let down by games and instead be let down <laughs> by movies. Like, it feels like we've taken a break from video games for like six weeks now. We also have a special guest who will be joining us. Um, what's his name, Jay? Probably only once. His, his, uh, Aubrey Muzi. Aubrey? That's an unusual name for a man. But it'll probably be okay. Since we have a no, guest, we'll probably be on good behavior, too. Name for a man. 
Yeah. It's an unusual name for a girl. Yeah, I guess that's true. Um, so anyway, uh, join us next week for that. And uh, if you haven't already, go follow us on Facebook, Twitter. We're at The Enemy Slime on all those services. Uh, you can go read the text version of our website at enemyslime.com, which is oddly more professional than what you're hearing here. Um, <laughs> it is a little inconvenient. No, Jared, you're I, just I, I really would say, negative. I'm 100% more professional than the podcast. I apologize for being so negative. Um, but thank you for listening, and, and I.